I believe that there is a there are difference in what separates kind of the average general manager from the spectacular ones. And it comes down to just a few personality or behavioral traits, if you will. I mean, first and foremost, I think that the really skilled uh, GMs that I've worked with, they're really they're really great problem solvers. You know, they, they are they make these decisions uh, every day. They're not afraid to make decisions and they understand that the decisions that they make impact the employees and the customers and and, and the vendors and, and that sort of thing. And the top managers that I've worked with, they understand that it's not always black and white and they can sort of navigate those gray areas. So, you know, being being a top uh, manager, I think first and foremost, being, being a savvy problem solver. And I do talk a lot about problem solving, but just kind of having the comfort to be a problem solver. This is the Restaurant General Manager Podcast with your host, Scott Stanfield, the GM Coach. What is the most important skill a restaurant manager must own? Is it writing schedules, reading the P&L, or controlling cost? The answer is none of the above. For over 25 years, I've been managing and leading restaurants, and this is what I've learned. Each and every shift, you must be prepared to deal with heated guests and employees. Learn my step-by-step method to turn the tables on unhappy guests and employees. Titled, Upset to Happy in One Conversation, this is more than just a free ebook. To start taking your guests from upset to happy in one conversation, click on the link in the show notes or go to my website, thegmcoach.com forward slash upset to happy to get your free copy today. On this episode, I have the privilege to interview Carrie Luxon. Carrie is just a ball of energy. There are so many nuggets of gold in this podcast for restaurant managers, chefs, and owners. My takeaways are, we can get inspiration from some not so obvious places. I also learned what the difference is between being a manager and a leader. Most of all, I love that Carrie has the courage to say, hey, I'm human and I make mistakes. Considering we did this interview back in January, that speaks volumes about her character. This interview inspired me in so many ways. Please enjoy my interview with Carrie Luxon. Today's guest has been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, Inc. Magazine, and Restaurant News. She was named one of the top 50 women innovators in the restaurant industry. She has come a long way since she got her start at the Dairy Queen at age 15. When she started at Potbelly Sandwich Works as an HR director, there were three locations. Ten years later, in over 220 stores and 10 markets, she set her sights on her own dream. Today, the restaurant she and her companies work with is a laundry list of the who's who in the restaurant industry. The CEO of the HR Restaurant Group, author of the Restaurant Operators Playbook, and the person who lives to reinvent restaurant HR and leadership, she is on a mission. Carrie Luxem, welcome to the Restaurant GM Podcast. Thank you, Scott. I'm super excited to be here. Oh my gosh, this is so much fun. The first question I have to ask is, well, it's because I found myself listening to Pitbull last night doing research for the podcast. So let's talk about Pitbull a little bit and you're, <laughs> and, and you're being oh, a fangirl. I am a fangirl. Uh, well, I love his music, but he's a real inspiration to me in terms of how he's been able to grow his business and, and really the energy that he has around helping people and helping children. So, yeah, I, I, I absolutely am one of Pitbull's biggest fan. So I expect to see him on your show in the future. All right. Hear him on your show. (laughs) Well, I'll try, you know, because when you talk about branding, that's what, you know, he's really done an amazing job of branding himself and, and creating a a repeatable system. And I've watched some interviews of of him talking about the business side of the music business. And I have to say, he's really sharp, you know, whether his style of music is something you listen to or not, he's really, really sharp business person. Definitely agree with you. Definitely. So how many shows you've been to? Lots, lots, 25, 30, more, (laughs) half of them with my husband. 
and he's now a fan. So we're, we're good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm the same way with Hootie and the Blowfish. I don't, um, I don't know if my wife would have organically been a fan of Hootie um, because they're such a, they were a regional right. band in the beginning, right? From South Carolina and, and she's from New York. So, yeah. but um, our whole family now is, uh, yeah. you know, we know all the words and all that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's great. And the thing about Pitbull shows is he's always got these, like, he's got random entertainers of all different backgrounds. And, you know, so you see him, but you see all kinds of different talent that you would have maybe, you know, never heard of, whether it's like Prince Royce or, you know, Enrique or whatever it may be. You like learn uh, of all these new artists and become a fan of that their work as well. So it's really cool. Well, that's a branding piece too, right? That's um, where you're, you're mm-hmm. you've got, you've got a, a, you know, a fan base that you're introducing new people to. And now you've got this halo effect that goes from there. Right. Whereas like, right. you know, like where, exactly. you know, like you have a menu that may have like one genre of type of food. And then next thing you know, you have a Vietnamese bomb me sandwich on something that because you're able to repurpose the pulled pork mm-hmm. from the barbecue sandwich and make a different type of different type of sandwich, and now you're exposing people to a different, you know, a different type of food from a different part of the world where they where they wouldn't normally see that on a, a certain menu. Right. All right. So let's let's pick it back up. So you're the CEO of HR Restaurant Group. HR is such a a dual work where you're actually like in, in some instances you're hiring people and then on the, and, and outside the other door, you're actually, you know, terminating employment. You know, what are the biggest challenges you see in the modern day with yeah. uh, what's happening with HR and right. restaurants, especially maybe even smaller companies? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it, it, the biggest pain point uh, that I see in restaurateurs, and this really hasn't changed over the last couple of decades is, you know, how do you go about recruiting, hiring, onboarding and retaining top talent, you know, and it's no matter what the economy is, it's always a challenge. Everybody's always fighting for the better talent. And, uh, you know, and so in, in terms of your question about kind of what, you know, what is my focus? When I first started uh, my company, I did do a lot on the recruiting side. We don't do any recruiting now. We really focus on, uh, you know, we handle at Restaurant HR Group, we handle the payroll benefits and HR administration so our operators can focus on running great restaurants and taking care of their people. But my other business, Terry Luxem LLC, is really where we're focused on training and supporting and providing tools for essentially the whole life cycle of an employee. So how do you uh, go out and recruit great talent? What are the strategies that you should use? How do you hire them properly? What do you ask? What don't you ask? How can you uh, set people up for success in the onboarding process? How do you manage performance? How do you set up simple systems and manage those people systems very simply and, and very well? And how do you help develop people to stronger leaders and then what happens when somebody exits the company whether it's voluntary voluntarily or involuntarily and and you know making sure again that you sort of have those systems and that you kind of uphold your values and and culture that you have so with that i mean that's you know that whole life cycle of an employee it comes out of my mouth in less than two minutes but it's a lot involved in, in all of those things you know hiring great people managing uh you know what people really want and you know there's a there's a there's a lot to it you, you know i mean you know you've been running stores and and developing people for for years uh there's not a there's not a magic uh you know hr uh, you know there's no article out there or 10 list of 10 things that i can say to do that's going to make that easy you know you got to you've got to you've got to set up simple systems you've got to revise those systems as the world changes and as a company grows and evolves and you've got to hire great people that are in line with the culture and the values that you have and you've got to help them daily be stronger leaders and and give them the tools that will help them in leading a team of people you know you you're so right it, it it's this it's not an easy task when this is involved i mean you've got human emotions that are going on. You've got, you know, these are people's personal lives and, um, and just the, right. and also the taking the time you may, you may have a team of managers or a manager that doesn't really, um, you know, care about the type of people they hire. They just want to get 
oh, if you can fog up a mirror, I need bodies and they're going to hire people and then I can train them the right. way I can, you know, the old school way of I'm right. going to break them down and build them exactly. back up or, you know, those type of things. And, exactly. You know, and then. And Absolutely. Then, you know, a, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm on this. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No. <laughs> so, well, I, so I said, I'm, I, I'm on this, you know, I'm really on this mission to, to help operators that doesn't everybody manages uh, their restaurants and leads people they have their own style as you should you should be very authentic and how you lead but what I'm what I'm really passionate about teaching is that if you operate restaurants or, or essentially a business and you are really skilled at setting up and managing the things in a business and you understand what it really means to lead people you're going to have more success. And a lot of times we use managing and leading sort of interchangeable, you know, they're like, they, they seem like the same thing, but they really are different. Manager, you know, great managers, GMs and restaurant managers, business managers, they really should be focusing on getting the things done in a business. It's the tasks where leaders, really great leaders invest their energy into people. And it's, it's, it's not always completely cut and dry when distinguishing between these two. And, and truthfully, a lot of people possess qualities of both managing and leading, but managers really focus on using their skill sets to plan and to organize and to coordinate in order to keep their team motivated and chugging along. You know, I run these businesses that I have and I have to do tasks every day and I have to make sure that my team understands how to do the things that need to get done. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely task related, but just because it's task related doesn't mean that it's not super important. I mean, think about uh, a restaurant manager. I mean, as uh, what a manager's role is, it's important stuff. They're providing ongoing feedback to their team. They're hand handling the payroll. They're setting up goals for people. They're organizing employee schedules. Those things are important. So, you know, in other words, they're, they're planning and they're organizing and they're coordinating all of these things in order to keep their teams motivated day out. And those are the things that keep a businesses, uh, keep our businesses functioning seamlessly day after day. But, but leaders, so leaders really focus their energy and their skill sets are more about inspiring and influencing people. They have this really uncanny ability to help other people see the bigger picture or their greater purpose. And they, and they do this by tapping into the talents and the fears and the hopes and the dreams of the people that they're working with, you know. And so uh, leaders, in my opinion, they tended to initiate a deep-rooted emotional response from their people. And that, of course, is intentional. I, I'm a believer that great leadership really hinges on making emotional connections with people and being a stand-up person. Uh, but ultimately, uh, you know, to, to, if, if managers get this combination right, if they manage things and they lead people, not only will they have more success in, in growing a great business and more profitable business, but they can also make a huge impact in the lives of people from all walks of life, just like back in my Dairy Queen days, a GM did for me. It was a great, great operator and a great leader. And that combination helped me grow and evolve as a young person into a, into a professional. Right. You're so right. I mean, I find myself day in and day out when I'm a GM is I'm balancing between here's the thing that I need to manage. And uh, Ashley did right. a post on this not too long ago. I said, no matter how good of a leader you are, you're not going to influence that New York strip, USDA prime grade New York strip to actually broil itself to be to perfection. Right. You can manage the process of receiving exactly. it in the back door, you know, butchering the meat, you know, and go through the whole process to where it's actually delivered, you know, with the left hand from the left by the food runner um, that's cooked to perfection and then doing the two minute check back and all these different things that has to happen. There's a whole process that needs to be managed to get that one steak, you know, from the, from the delivery all the way out and to boxed up, ready to go if there's any left over um, and then paid for. And, but leadership is how we get those yep. processes done. 
And the way I see it, there's three hats that we wear. And so you're, you're talking about the leadership and management because there's, there's, those are different and they, they're, they're intermingled. They, they're like, they're, if they're not first cousins, they're like brother and sister. I mean, they're like attached at the hip, but the third one is um, (laughs) knowing operations. So those are the three things that someone I see as Mm -hmm. a great, you know, general manager or chef or whatever position they are in, in leadership in, in a, in a restaurant is you got to have, you got to know your operations. You have to, you have to know how to manage the yep. things that matter the most, your cost, your, you know, those type of things. And so it gives your team the supplies they need, but then also how are you going to move that mountain and move that mountain and move those people is going to take leadership skills. And that's, boiling down to like negotiation and how do you talk to people and how are you in the moment and emotional intelligence and consistency and, you know, all those different things and, get, and motivating them to do what they may not normally want to do. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, you've been doing this a long time from a different side of the, of, you know, of the stick, so to speak, or different side of right. it. So tell me what the best qualities you've seen in general managers throughout the years you've been in the restaurant industry. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And, you know, I mean, there's certainly going to be, a, you know, people would probably answer that very, very differently. But I, I've had the pleasure of over the last 20 years, I have worked with and supported thousands of different restaurant uh, managers, restaurant general managers. And I believe that there is a there are difference in what separates kind of the average general manager from the spectacular ones. And it comes down to just a few personality or behavioral traits, if you will. I mean, first and foremost, I think that the really skilled uh, GMs that I've worked with, they're really, they're really great problem solvers. You know, they, they are, they make these decisions uh, every day. They're not afraid to make decisions and they understand that the decisions that they make impact the employees and the customers and, and, and the vendors and, and that sort of things. And the top managers that I've worked with, they understand that it's not always black and white and they can sort of navigate those gray areas. So, you know, being, being a top uh, manager, I think first and foremost, being, being a savvy problem solver. And I do talk a lot about problem solving, but just kind of having the comfort to be a problem solver. Certainly, I think they're, uh, of course, effective and uh, quick and simple communicators. You know, with all of the moving parts that are in a restaurant, it can certainly be tough to uh, communicate and to, to be effective in your communication with the team members and, you know, all, all of the things going on. But um, when great GMs are communicating with their, their, their team, they, the, the ones that do the best job, they display this laser-like focus uh, and, and precision in how they communicate. They're, you know, breaking things down very simply. They're giving information to people, the information that they need and not giving them the information that they don't need. If you're talking to a cashier about something, you might not need to tell them what's going on in the kitchen. And you can really sort of break that down uh, very, very simply. Um, so again, so I think problem solving, I think communicating very quickly and, and simply. And I think the best managers, uh, you know, they really do have a desire and passion and they care about working toward being a better leader. You know, they, they have a lot on their plates. They are busy and they're, they're, you know, they're working 60 hours a week, but they take the time even with their busy schedule to figure out how they're going to personally grow and evolve into a better and stronger leader. And they uh, take a lot of accountability for that on their own. And then lastly, I would say that, you know, the best managers that I've changing the lives of other people. And, you know, and I think that's such a big thing to say. People talk about changing the world or changing lives. It's really just, you know, there's so many people, everybody almost, <laughs> at some point in their life, they spend time in a restaurant. And I've always been fascinated with, you know, you know, Scott, early on in my, um, my life, you know, I'm, I turned 15, I was turning 15 years old. My life was not going in a very good direction. I was, um, you know, I had some, my parents had gotten divorced. My brothers were getting into a lot of trouble. Uh, You know, school wasn't a priority. And it was truly the passion that the Dairy Queen management team franchisees had for their people that kept me on the straight and narrow that 
kept me in school. They really showed that they cared about me and, and what was going on in my life. And they knew this wasn't likely going to be a full-time, you know, long-term career for me. And I just have seen throughout my career that, that managers that really think of themselves as difference makers and they're going to impact people's lives and help them and shape them and send them in the right direction. Uh, that's what makes, you know, to me really can make uh, a manager, a GM, really great. They're, again, to, to sort of like kind of recap what I said, I, they're great problem solvers. They're great communicators. They want to be and focus on being a better leader and they want to change the lives of other people. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's solid, solid freaking gold right there because, you know, someone who's just starting out in the restaurant business and they, they just get their first job as, as a manager, you know, they may, they may be yeah. thinking, well, I'm the manager and now they have to listen to me. You know, the, the team has to listen to me right. and, yeah. uh, and, and, and what we end up doing because we don't teach leadership really in, I mean, you do, but typically in our industry, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you're promoted. Here's a set of keys. Here's a card. We're going to yeah. teach you systems. We're going to teach you deadlines. We're going right. to teach you. And you were really good at being a blank, fill in the blank, bartender, server, cook, you know, a supervisor, right? you know, and now, and now we're giving you the keys to the building and I'm taking the day off because I've been working too much and good luck. Right. Yeah. So it's like, how how does that, how how does that going to turn out? And, you know, people just listen to that. It's like, okay, slow down. Let's make a difference in people's lives. Um, Let's, you know, let's, let's, you know, and it's funny because, you know, I'm, I've been doing this 26 years going on 27 this spring and, you know, I remember when I was coming up, my dad's generation was complaining about Generation X, which is what I am. And now we all hear about right. we all hear about millennials, but the millennials are going to complain about Generation Z and all those things. And the way I look at it is yeah. that we, we lead people from multiple generations. I, I have people on my team that are in their teens and I have people who are already in their 60s. And so, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there is a difference between leading them because different work ethics and, you know, you know, skill knowledge, skill and knowledge on computers and those type of things. So there's slightly different nuances there. But the thing is, is that we take on the responsibility whether nobody, where, where, wherever they are to care for these people and, and lead them. And they, and somebody, it may be their first job. They don't know how right. to request for time off. Right. And their parents may say, Hey, the family vacation exactly. is happening. You're out of school. We're buying tickets. And then they, then they don't request the time off in time. And you've got to have some empathy for where everybody is in the, in their, and the process of, of, of everything. And I think that's a big piece right. of it. And exactly. you, you said it, you said it amazingly well. And, you know, and so, you know, it's, is and so now I asked you what you saw the best in GMs. I have to ask, what's the, what's the worst traits you've seen in, in GMs? Well, I think when somebody, you know, the, the problem with this industry a lot is that it's, it seems there are people hosts or talk to hosts, or people in general that like if you're in this industry this isn't the industry that if you're having you want to end up in the restaurant industry right so i think a, a lot of times people can start out in the kitchen and they get their job and they end up being promoted because they manage the store well and it's it's the, the worst ones i can tell don't really want to be doing this job and so everything everything that they do it's it's not it's it's just it's a lack of passion but of course you know and then there's people that really do want to do a great job and they just don't know how to they, they don't have this skill set to to manage a restaurant or whatever so but i think it comes down to to attitude you know it's like i've met some really talented people but they at the end of the day to me they didn't seem very talented because they didn't really have a great attitude. They didn't seem like they wanted to be there. It's very interesting to me when I hear operators say, I just wish I could get this people nonsense out of the way so I could run my business. I could run my restaurants. Your business is people. Your business is people. And if you didn't have problems, if you didn't have, you know, people issues and scheduling issues, why would you need to work here? I mean, you know, anybody can catch here, you know, so it's like, it's like as a, as a, as a GM, as a manager, as a leader, your job is to figure out how to, or as a business owner, I mean, it's, it's to figure out 
how to influence people to do what you need them to do and to have their own successes. And so, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've definitely come across a lot of people that, uh, you know, are in this industry and maybe they're, they're, they've made it to GM, they're making a decent living and they can't get out, but they don't really like this business. And those are the ones that just don't seem, you know, that they should be, they should be, um, doing what they do. I don't look at the restaurant industry. I think this is one of the greatest industries uh, in terms of opportunity. If you know what you're doing, if you're driven, if you have a great attitude. I, I've seen so many people go from literally the kitchen to a fran franchising, you know, multiple stores or, or taking over GMing, you know, impacting lives. I, I, I think about my niece, you know, my niece, when she was 15 years old, she took a job at Potbelly. You know, I was working at Potbelly. She worked in a little, uh, you know, small town. And she is just, she's in her, you know, mid-20s now. She's one of the most successful GMs for a very successful group here in the Chicagoland area. And more importantly than that, she loves it. And she's impacting people's lives. And she's like this 20-something running a multi-million dollar business what other industry could you do that you know and it's so i think it's just very it's very interesting so i think if you know and again it's it's there's a lot of really bad restaurant groups out there that people aren't treated right and maybe it's you know the people aren't loving their job because they have bad leadership so i would say get into a great group that really does value the right things you know and um because i i going back to what you were saying about sort of the millennials and the generations. I mean, I hear so often that, you know, all oh, these people are young and they're lazy and they're entitled. And I, I truly uh, do not think young people are the problem. The problem is how they're being led. Every single generation has had lazy, entitled, disinterested employees. Every industry has had lazy, entitled, disinterested employees, you know, but I, I, have, I have a team of unbelievably amazing people and they're almost they're all young you know not all i've got you know i've got generate from all generations but they're 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 great they work really 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 hard and i i am a believer that you receive the behavior you're willing to tolerate if you're willing to tolerate laziness you're going to have laziness you know and so those people that are running these restaurants that don't really want to be there are the ones that are complaining of you know the people, you know, the people that work in the restaurants and that there's no talent out there and all of those things, in my opinion. Right. Well, it starts with the culture and the culture starts with the, the GM and the, and the company and, uh, and yeah. really what happens there. And so the, an employee is, like you said, the employee is allowed to express themselves inside that culture. And, and so right. I see as one of the biggest tasks of the GM is actually is cultivating the culture that allows a, an employee in the guests, everybody to express themselves in, in a way that's, that's beneficial for everybody. And, and right. that should be governed. And uh, if that, and then so a big piece of that, and I, and this is what I'm hugely passionate about is selecting the right people to come into the ecosystem that we have inside of the restaurant and mm -hmm. really protecting what that is. And also I'm passionate about on the other side is like vetting out the current employees about where they are in, um, in the, and influencing the culture one way or the other as well. And, and so it's really the, because if you have a culture that's not about training, then your team won't be well-trained. But if you have a culture about training, your team yeah. will be well-trained. If you have a culture that's about hospitality and um, giving and caring and those things, then if yeah. you hire somebody who's caring and giving, they're able to express that. But if you hire somebody who's caring and giving and selfless, but you're, they're put into a, a, a greedy, um, you know, uh, environment where people are all out for themselves, then they have to express themselves that way to survive inside of the ecosystem. You could take, you know, I don't know, a monk and put them in the jungle overnight. They've got to do some things differently. They can't sit and meditate on the, the jungle floor because they might get bitten by a snake or a bug that would kill them. So they have to change the right. way they live based off the environment. And, exactly. um, and, and so it's really a huge thing. And so you said you're in your Carrie Luxem business that you're actually coach people on hiring. Um, and so is there, you know, we talk about what the right people are or hire awesome people is what I say. Uh, and I, what, what does that look like? What does the right person look like to work in the restaurant industry? 
Well, I think that's, you know, I think that you've got to go out and you've got to look for the talent that's going to fit well into what you have going on, your growth, your culture. And, and a, a great culture is, is not, you know, and it's not about having a culture policy or doing a culture workshop or Carrie in restaurant HR telling me how to create a great culture to create a great culture. It's about time and consistency and culture is really the byproduct of consistent behavior. So if you are, I have, I am, I mean, it is very hard. I talk about culture every day. I write books on culture and I have, I struggle with constantly figuring out how to uh, evolve as a culture in my little company and uh, how do I go out and hire the best people and ensure that I have a great little company. It is constant time and constant energy and people, by the way, they have their own lives and problems and I've got to, I've got to manage that. So, but, so I think when you ask, how do you go out and find the right people? I mean, there are, I am looking for, I, you know, people will say, you got to look for cultural fit over experience. For me, it's a combination. And you've got to find, they've got to be able to do the job. You know, they've got to be able to manage the operation. You talked about the operation. You've got to be able to do the job that you're going to hire them to do, but they have to be the things that you deem important. I deem being a very hard worker, being passionate, having a sense of urgency, caring about people, uh, you know, being able to give great service or, or you know, be, being, uh, you know, hospitality focused or whatever. And I interview people very well to ensure that they're going to not only likely fit into what we're doing, but that they really get a good understanding at the onset of what to expect when they come. I think so many people, and this is in the industry, restaurant industry, in restaurants and outside, they, they, they scurry through the interviewing process. They ask a few basic questions and they, they look at the resume and they think they're getting something and it's, they didn't dig deep enough. You know, and, and so I dig deep. I still go, I go through the process with a sense of urgency. It does not go on for weeks and weeks and weeks, but I ask very specific questions to really understand who somebody is and really understand, uh, make sure they understand what we're expecting before they even are even considered being hired being hired by us. So I think that instead of saying, here are the five things you should look for in every single employee, I mean, everybody want somebody that's going to smile and has a good attitude and is going to work hard and all those things. But I think really being able to articulate and be real and being honest with what your culture is. I will tell you, Scott, five years ago, I was hiring for my company and my, my message while I was hiring was our culture is a mess right now. We grew too fast. It feels we've, we've under trained. I've got I'm people are turning over. I, I thought we were in a different place. You know, it was, it was a rough patch for me. I told the candidates that when I was interviewing them and those are the candidates, by the way, those are the people that are still working with me today. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't paint a different picture and now we're in a better place and I got to keep working it every day. And, and, and I think it's very similar uh, in the restaurant world. You know, my, my husband is a Dunkin' Donuts franchisee. He's got 28 different stores. Some of them are in gas stations. Some of them are freestanding. It's a challenge to find people that are going to come in and, uh, you know, work at, at four in the morning and bake donuts or cashier. And, and we're constantly trying to reinvent ourselves as a franchisee and be the best in the business and, and all that. We're, we, we dedicate our time to training and, and try to do all those things, but it's a constant effort. We're always having to figure out what are the different and new strategies to try to attract talent, whether it's going into the schools and, or having a little like, you know, uh, hiring fair at one of our stores or what can we do to better attract people of social media, you know, that sort of thing. But then let's tell them the truth as they're coming in. Let's talk about who they're going to be working with and what the reality is, not only cultural, our goals as a company, but what it works, what, what it feels like to work in that little gas station, Dunkin' Donuts. That culture in that one store, uh, you know, has a different, you know, the customers change the dynamic that may be different from where we have a store in Chicago, for example. So, I mean, I think it's just really hard to, uh, you know, to really say here's exactly, uh, you know, what you should hire. But I think that the, the message is really, you know, really understand who you are and where you are. Be comfortable enough 
to explain where you are as a culture and what your hiccups are, your problems are. I mean, you don't have to dwell on it forever, but you want to be honest and you are looking for difference makers that are going to come in and, and be a part of that and be honest with, you know, I mean, I have some clients, their culture is you're in for a year. It's a really, really, really high volume full service restaurant group. Their culture is a revolving door. That is their culture. They bring people in, they burn them out, and they move on to the next. And they've just they've just built that. I mean, I would like to help them change that a little bit, but that's just what it's been. And people come in there, they work in the kitchen for about a year, they get burned out, and they move on. And they just have this system where they set it up, and that's you know that's what it is. It's it's, and they may even say they want it to be something different, but the reality of their culture, it's everybody's working seventy hours a week, everybody's tired, everybody burns out. Not everybody, but people burn out. And, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Especially in resort areas, you know, cause you're running a, um, a lower, right. uh, you know, you, you're running with a lower staff during the season and then out that way you can, you're not over, you know, em- employing people the way when you get to the off season, your core group is still there. They're looking at you going, I don't have enough shifts and things like that. I can see, definitely see how that, that happens. And I can see burnout in, in high volume restaurants how, how that definitely, yeah. definitely can happen you know and I I have done the same thing you talk about where you talk about where the culture is especially when I go in to turn a restaurant around and I'm hiring people who are that fit the that fit the model that I'm looking for for the particular that mm-hmm. respond to my coaching style really that's another piece of it yeah. right? or my, my the culture that I like to build and I'll tell them before they walk out on the floor and I've even been asked it's like why is it that what's happening out there when I did a, my follow it's different than what actually was in the training book. And I'm like, you have to explain to them and be honest where the culture is and it's changing. And, and, and so it's, that's, that's actually some really cool insight that you gave people there that are hiring people. And as they're trying to change things or do things differently and also the reality of what your culture is, no matter what you may think it is on paper that you wrote down in the office or put up on a board somewhere, yeah. you know, what the actual turnover exactly. ratio is. You know, about what's you know, and I think a lot of times in the restaurant industry, Scott, you know, you, you, you go out and you, Scott, the GM are going to build a winning team and you have your style and you know who you want to hire and then you get transferred to another store. Right. And then another another person comes in and they take over and the place nobody likes the new leader or whatever. You see that kind of stuff happen all of the time. So I think it's critical as a company. So as the leadership and the owners or whatever of the company, they need to have some core sort of like fundamental basics of how people treat other people and stuff, you know, but because everybody's going to have their own style. I mean, you are maybe, you know, where I'm, maybe I'm over the top extroverted and I pat people on the back all the time, you know, and you might be a little more introverted and more serious and maybe don't do the pats every day, but you, you figure out, you know, how to get the most out of your people. But if you are, you know, a guy that exercises common courtesy and you understand that you're going to celebrate the milestones that your people are having, you know, whether it's their anniversaries or birthdays, you're, you're leading them and okay with them making mistakes because that's how you learn. You always do what you say you're going to do. Those are things and traits and, and expectations that I think can be set up, but how you go, you know, you, you've got to be nice to people. You've got to be courteous to people. You've got to be direct and open and honest with your feedback. Those things can happen, but you can still operate your business very authentically. You know, like I told you uh, when we were talking earlier, my husband and I both have very successful businesses, but we operate our businesses and the way we get to success, quote unquote, is how we get there is very, very different because we're two totally different types of people. And he has his level of success. I have my level of success. We both believe in being good people and, and, and taking care of people that take care of us kind of a thing or whatever it may be. But how he, uh, how he leads his team and the things that he does is different than how I do it. And it doesn't make it better or worse or good or bad. I think if the common denominator is that you're just being a good human, you're being kind to people and taking care of them and having empathy, then how you get to the end result or the top of the mountain, you know, which road you take doesn't really matter as long as you're, you know, if you're, right. if, if, the, if somebody's going to manipulate somebody, take advantage of them, you know, create a, you know, harassing work environment, those type of things, then no, that's not, that's what we're talking about. But, but you're right. There are, there's more than one way to do this, right? There's, there's many ways yeah. that there are different people to, to come around and, and have a 
you know, and have the outcome that we're looking for. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. what we're looking for is, um, you know, people that are happy to, to be at work and some, some profits and, and, you know, controlling your cost and, and the business, you know, growing yeah. or to, maintaining at least what it, what it did prior year, because you may be at your maximum yeah. of what it could do. And so I think that's what, what yeah. we're really, really looking at. And so, um, gosh, I, you know, I don't, yeah, know if you realize this or not, but you and I could probably talk for about four more hours. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I know. I totally agree. I mean, and I think sort of to sum it up, I think, you know, if, if how, how do I pinpoint if someone's going to have success? You know, I think this is a mistake a lot of managers make is they sort of lose their human touch, right? And be yourself, you lose your human touch. So, you know, just sometimes I think when people grow in a company or they become the GM or a manager or even a shift leader or whatever, they completely change their persona, you know, because they're now the manager or whatever. And I think if you want to have success, you know, you've got to, you've got to keep that human touch. You've got to let your personality, whatever your real personality is, shine through and your team will see that and the right people are going to want to work uh, with you and, and be loyal to you, you know? So I think that is, you know, my, my final little yep. that was a, there. <laughs> that was a, that was a lesson I, I learned very early. I, I don't know if you know my story or not. I started as a dishwasher and 90 days later I was a manager. So I was, I went, oh, quickly, yeah, I went quickly to prep, um, yeah. quickly, quickly to cooking on the line, quickly to expediting, and next thing you know, just in one summer, I was, I was a manager. And then I remember the owner sitting me down, you know, Dale Augustine of what was then called the Carolina Crab House on Lake Murray in South Carolina saying, what happened to the fun and happy Scott that everybody yeah. loved in the kitchen? And he became power hungry. Yep. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, just like the same thing, the same mistake, which was, I'm now the boss. You have to listen to me. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I and, then, so you know and then, you know, I, you know, you remember kind of like your childhood, like I've, I asked you to do this. Why haven't you done it already? Right. Those type of things. Yep. Right. And then yep. now, now I quote Chris Voss, who wrote the, the FBI hostage negotiator that wrote the book, never split the difference, negotiate like your life depends on it. He says mm -hmm. that a boss has to tell an employee to do something 19 times. And, and so when you ask somebody to do something three times and they haven't done it, you got 16 more to go. <laughs> right. That's yeah. I like that. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, he then follows it up unless you ask a calibrated question and calibrated question is something, one of his nine, you know, negotiation techniques. And we, we're not going to get into that here, but I'm just saying as a, as a reference point is it took time for me to learn that, like you just said, making mistakes is how we learn, but also is that they're not going to listen to me. I'm having to change their beliefs or habits or any of those type of things as I'm trying to lead them and pull them or sometimes push them into getting something to where we need to do, whether it's, you know, upselling wine or um, offering a new yeah. special or doing the spiel the right way that just changed. You know, I got an email this morning and changing the appetizer that, 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 we're, we're, that the company wants us to, to move or, or something like that. And so it's really, yeah. a, you know, an interesting aspect of understanding what it takes to really lead people because like you said earlier in the podcast, it's like a lot of times people end up in the restaurant business. They need to make money as entry right. level. They get hired. Yep. They need more money. So they take, reluctantly take the promotion. They're not taught how to lead people. And then it becomes yeah. just something that can just turn upside down in no time. It totally can. Yeah. And it next so thing, can. I mean, and you know, it's the, the more, the more vulnerable I am as the owner of my company or the more I really look at, I really am here. I really work for the people that are out there caring for my clients, you know, and I, if I really, if I really have that mentality. My job is to make sure I measure my success on the success of the team that I have and the happiness and the success of the clients that I have. And so I need, I don't need to have all the answers. I need to just, I need to, you know, set my core foundation and values and, and be a good company and I need to give it my all. But when I do fall off track or I do, uh, you know, something that, you know, I make a mistake or I fail or I, I, I have a day where I scream or yell or whatever those things are that happens, I'm human to, you know, to my team. And I'm not, I'm not the CEO and I'm intimidating and all that. And I think that, I think that that is keeping that sort of human element and really being vulnerable and really understanding that you really, if you're, 
managing a team of 20, 30, 40, 70 people in a restaurant, if you really have the mentality, like, I've got to make sure they're successful, that I give them the tools and the training and the support that they need. And by the way, this is my, this is what I have a job for. This is what I'm doing. This isn't like the thing that's bothering me. So I can, so, you know, and then I got to focus on and fixing this real quick so I can really run my business. And I think the managers that really just understand that's what I do every day. I, I lead people. I try to figure out how to like understand what their currency is and what matters to them. And I try to provide that to them. I give them the right training. I know there's going to be people that don't get it and that don't work out. And I think it's, you know, we all, like I said, Scott, I, I talk about this all day long. I do videos. I write books. I write articles on how to build a great culture. And I, I'm figuring it out every day as well. I'm, I'm, and how I'm responding to the problems that happen in my company when somebody surprises me with a resignation or somebody's unhappy with something I said or whatever. I just, how I respond to it, I'm very consistent and I'm very real and I act like a human being. I, I try to do the same. I really do. It's, it's uh, one of the toughest things, you know, when you're, you know, you got your to-do list and you're just plugging along and try to do that. But it, you know, a great leader is subservient to the greater good of what we're trying to accomplish. You know, Definitely. I remember, I remember um, what you're talking about. I just wanted to say, preach it. Come on, preach it. It was a, absolutely <laughs> amazing, you know, uh, there. I, so you've mentioned a couple of times, I, I've, I've seen your first book, you know, HR operators or restaurant operators handbook or playbook, yeah. excuse me. Let me say this again. So the restaurant yeah. operators playbook, but I also saw a post on LinkedIn just a couple of weeks ago. Um, that you're about halfway through your second book. I am. I'm yeah. very excited. So I have uh, I have Restaurant Operators HR Playbook, which is essentially it's 11 chapters. That's the whole life cycle of an employee. And it's really how to set up systems from recruiting, hiring, onboarding, all the way through termination. I'm going to send you some copies, Scott, that you can give away to your listeners. And then I'm my second book is also going to be a playbook. It's a soft skills playbook. So it's really kind of all the things that we're talking about. You know, it's how, and I'm going to do it in the same way. I'm going to have a, a worksheet after every chapter and it's it's also going to be 11 chapters that's communication problem solving building relationships uh responsibility and accountability conflict resolution uh you know in all different uh kinds of soft skill topics to help people uh with those things that you'd say you've said a few times today that people don't really focus on these things the leadership the soft skills the interpersonal skills and i know it's really important to do that, not just for business success, but life success. You know, I have two young children, the youngest, they're in middle school and, you know, they have their phones and they're in the digital age and they're, they, they, they do a lot of stuff on social media. And I want to make sure that they understand how to communicate in the world and how to build relationships and how to have a positive attitude and manage their time and all that stuff. So there's a lot of purposes behind why I'm writing this book, uh, but it will be uh, hopefully done here by the end of the year, and uh, I'm super excited about it. I can't wait to, to see it and read it and devour it and, and, and see what I can awesome. learn, and it's, um, you know, those, those things are, what you said is a, you know, learning leadership has um, helped me so much. It's taken a, a little bit of time for it to, to ease over into my family life and, and be a better husband and a and a better father to my kids. I mean, I, I've taught my kids FBI hostage negotiation techniques, so now I can't use them on them when they're upset or anything. <laughs> and my wife's immune to that stuff because she knew me before I knew those things. And when something different comes out of my mouth, she's like, uh, she looks at me and I'm like, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> but, That's great. Yeah, but, you know, um, so there's a right time and right place for, for those things. Um, but you're, you're right, me learning um, just em emotional intelligence um, has allowed me to yeah. respond better um, in the moment, not only to people at work, not only to when you're managing a super busy shift on a holiday or just a, a normal Tuesday when you're short staffed and all of a sudden the weather's great and you get, you get hammered on and, and remaining calm, you know, is really something that I've been working on for probably the last six or seven years from when I learned about Dr. Travis Bradbury's work with his book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And and understanding mm -hmm. John Maxwell's law, the lid. So the, the lid, an organization will never outgrow the leadership of the person who runs it. And that, and, and so if I wanted the organization that I was in charge of or, or dubbed to be the leader of to grow, I had to grow. And so that's right. what the evolution of those things have happened. And so 
you know, to those of you out there who um, are currently a GM, you still need to grow. And those of you who want to be a GM or move up the ladder, you, you the, reading books like what Carrie's written and understanding what leadership is and the soft skills, that's the hardest part of the job. And that's what we really need to be learning in our industry to move it to the next place that it needs to be and evolve it to where, because what's happening in our industry, if you're a, a, a restaurant that has a dining room, there's going to be less of us in, in a couple of years from now. And the only the strongest mm-hmm. ones will survive because there's ghost kitchens being built and there's going to be a correction in the economy. There's all these things that are happening that uh, only and with the people with the best operations, the best people, the best leadership, all those things are to be the ones that at the end of this recession that we're probably going to go through because they happen and we're overdue for one. Right. are going to be the ones that are still open. And so, and, and I think that's right. going to be great for the ones that are open because you're going to be stronger and be yep. less places to walk into and sit down and have a nice meal but there's going to be some collateral damage from that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and as I see GMs, you know, very often get promoted to multi-unit positions, whether it be district managers or regional managers and the ones that really do have really great soft skills. They're really great communicators. They're adaptable. They're, they know how to, you know, lead a team. They're self-motivated. They understand leadership thoroughly. Those are the ones that, get promoted, but sometimes you get promoted as a GM because you're a great GM into this multi-unit, but the ones that really go on to have success as a multi-unit operator or, or higher, or if you will, are those ones that really have sort of quote unquote mastered these soft skills. And for me, I single-handedly give my credit to the success I've had, the success I had as an employee at Potbelly, the success I've had in, in operating and growing my businesses. It's all about my ability to connect with people, to solve problems, uh, you know, figuring out how to be a better communicator. It's still a work in progress, by the way, but those are the things. I mean, there's certain things. I, I'm not a very analytical person, and I, you know, I always say I've got my husband for the brainy stuff, you know. <laughs> I just, I like to build the relationships, and, but I, I will tell you that my, I give a lot of the credit, and that's why I think this book is really going to be important. It's, it could be for students, for people that are uh, in, in business that really do want to evolve. You've got to have, you've got to have strong interpersonal skills. They, they should teach us in high school. I mean, it should right. be. Well, I'm going to get copies of my book to all the high schools. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there should be like level one at ninth grade and, you know, or maybe even middle school. You right. should start learning about this right. stuff. I mean, it really, because this is, this is just as important or more important than balancing your checkbook. I mean, it just like, right. you know, it, it's, it's, exactly. it is so important because um, I, I've seen so many quotes on this. Uh, Tony Robbins, you know, uh, something yeah. along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, your, your job is 20% the job and 80% psychology. Um, I think there was yeah. one from Rockefeller that said something along the lines of uh, your, the technical skills of an engineer uh, are eight, 15% of the job. 85% of the job is, is personal skills. Right. And so yep, when you think about, you know, for, you know, like making sandwiches, you know, or, you know, whatever it is, you know, steakhouses, I've worked in steakhouses a lot, or, you know, putting together a, an omelet station in a, in a hotel when I was a director of, you know, food and beverage at a hotel, that's a piece of it. You know, menu engineering is a piece of the job, but all of that is interacting with people, learning how to, how to interact okay. with people when things are going right, but also learning how to turn around, upset guests in, in upset em, uh, employees at the same time and using the same yeah, process. Exactly. All those things are so important. So I guess totally important. So important. The most important because things are going to go wrong. People are not going to like their schedule and people are not going to like the way their eggs are cooked. And we have to be able to right. figure out how to fix both of those things. And, and the truth is I am writing this book, but the, 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 the real magic in the book that I am writing and the, even the first one I did is really there's this worksheet that I'm putting at the end because I know you can't become a better communicator unless you get out there and communicate. You can't build better relationships unless you get out there and build better relationships. So I give some, uh, you know, the, the, the worksheet part is really going to get your hands in it. You know, you can, you can read quotes and read my book and do all these things, but if you're not out there living it, doing it, trying it, failing, getting back up, you're, you know, you're not going to become stronger. It's just like 
anything. Like you, you start your podcast, Scott, you're doing a nice job. The more you do it, the more skilled you're going to get, the, the easier it's going to become. And, and you know, the, the more experience you'll get with it. It's the same when it comes to kind of exercising your soft skill muscles. Absolutely. You got to get your hands dirty. I mean, uh, was I, the, totally. you know, was I a great GM when I first started? No. I mean, I remember I told you I got sat down. What happened to the fun and happy Scott, right? And you know, yeah. go back to go back to my childhood, right? Which was I raced go-karts. I raced for 15 years. It took me eight years to win my first race. And then right. I ended up winning some national championships and state championships after that point. But it took a long time for me to learn how to be good at, at actually doing all the things it took to actually win a race at a high level. And the same thing happens mm-hmm. when you're fresh out of the, out of the gate. In, in the restaurant world, it takes time to learn how to do things. And yeah. I did a great interview with um, Bruce Tracy. He's a PhD. He's a professor at Cornell University. He wrote a, a couple studies we went over. One was the devil's uh, in the details, the cost of turnover. And another one was about mm-hmm. hiring people, which matters most, general mental ability or personality. And we talked about the difference about when um, we also ended up talking about hospitality factor or what um, some Danny Meyer calls hospitality quotient. So you have IQ, EQ, and HQ or things that are that, that, that people would look at in hiring people. But when somebody has a stronger general mental ability, mathematics and analytical and things like that, they perform better in the first six months of the job. But the person who has specifically conscientiousness uh, or a, 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 we, when we hire for that attitude, hire for the personality, hire for character, as I say, or aptitude, you know, as mm-hmm. Patrick Lamel from Amina Restaurant Group says, aptitude over, uh, or attitude over aptitude. And um, what happens is those indicators tell you where they're going to perform in the job. The, the, if someone who has the skills already, they'll perform better or a, a way to, uh, they're better at learning things. They'll perform better in the beginning, but the people who have the, the right character, the, the attitude or, um, or that the personality will perform better over the long run. From six months on, they start outperforming the person who performed better in the first six months. So understanding how those yeah. pieces fit together and finding a balance of those things based on what you need, like you said, where you are in your culture. And, and, what, and, and I tend to build things for the long run is what I'm doing no matter what. I look at hiring somebody as like I'm almost appointing somebody to the Supreme Court because they're going to outlive my time there. And, and I mm-hmm. want that to be the legacy of what I leave behind is this amazing team because that will speak more about what's happening and it can carry on versus a P&L looking good this month, right? And gaming right. the system to make that look good, right? That's what I yeah. really, really do. And so I could talk on, yeah. on and on and on. So where can we find you online? Love it. Uh, you know, I, my website is carryluxem.com, C-A-R-R-I-E-L-U-X-E-M. And I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I've got all these social platforms, but LinkedIn is my, my main platform. And yeah, you're, you're on there all the time. I love your posts. Um, and I engage with them as much as I can. You know, and um, you've get a ton of engagement. I mean, the, 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 the message that you bring is, is right on time because people are just chiming in and really, and so I encourage people to go out and, and search you out and start following you on, awesome. on LinkedIn yeah, because it's, it's, awesome. um, it's absolutely amazing. Carrie, I can't thank you enough for yeah. being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. If I'm Chicago, I'm going to uh, knock on your door and we'll have to share a cup of coffee or maybe a sandwich or something. Right. Definitely. Don't worry. I'm going to solicit you to be on my show next. Your show. Let's talk about your show for a second. Let's uh, tag that on <laughs> in the end. Right. You've got, uh, you're putting a little, together a little talk bit, yeah. show, right? I am trying here, but it'll be a few months, but yeah, we're just essentially I'm going to do what you're just sort of doing, but I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to meet face to face with restaurants, owners, CEOs, chefs, operators, uh, you know, and, and, learn from them. It's just sort of another level. I give out all this free content. It's my advice, my, my passion, uh, you know, my words. And now I think it's, uh, it's really important to go out and hear from people that have all different backgrounds. And, and so I'm really excited. We're just in the, we're in the midst of uh, figuring out a premiere date and how to use the video equipment, <laughs> which is the biggest challenge for us. And then, uh, you know, I've hired a, a PR firm and a marketing firm that's going to help me promote the show. So it should be really, really great. So I'll keep you posted. You know, thank you very much. You know, I love the age we're in, right? It, we're yeah. in an age of learning. If it had, I mean, the internet has been such a blessing when you look at, right? you know, from, 
we were in we were in Vegas and our and we a fan belt broke and I was had a YouTube video playing on how to change a fan belt on our car in the AutoZone <laughs> parking lot, right? I mean, that's it's like, awesome. Yeah, it's like you can do that. I fixed I fixed a dryer. We bought an element and I fixed a dryer. I've done that. I love and, it. And then there's that's also so like, great. But there's also like listening to other podcasts that and, and other interviews of people that are inspiring. And you can literally, my whole goal with this is to be able to, somebody can listen to this on the way to work. They can walk in the restaurant yeah. that day and go, wait a minute, I learned something here that I can use this shift to make yeah, the restaurant go better. And so that's really the thing is, you know, I, we could all sit here and talk all day long, but it's like the interaction between you and me is something that's unique that we'll never be able to put together ever again in the world. And it can help somebody become a better restaurant leader. And maybe they need to focus a little bit more on leadership to soft skills, or maybe they need to focus more on operations or understand that they were talking to people and didn't have enough empathy. Right. And so all those different things come come into play. And so I'll wrap this up one more time. Thanks again for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Scott. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to the Restaurant General Manager Podcast. I hope you visit again soon. Please like, comment, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can find me, Scott Stanfield, on LinkedIn or at my website, thegmcoach.com. Please stay tuned each week for new episodes of the Restaurant General Manager Podcast. Thanks for listening.